I'm Deidre. And I'm Chelsea. And we're giving you a million murders. We're back. Oh my god, you should see how big it is. A million murders is huge. It's humongous. Okay. It's big. It's big. Like me. Shut up. Shut up. Okay. Anyway, hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. This <laughs> is. We just literally laughed for like five minutes. <laughs> yeah, before we could even start because we got on a roll and we just got so tickled we couldn't. So I'm trying to, I'm like, okay, we gotta hold it together. We gotta hold it together. Okay. So, Ooh, oh, there, there here comes, comes the rain again. I mean, that was so deep. It was. You did it. <laughs> We can't. We gotta get through this. We do this every year. Did you see your face? You went <laughs> like, ow, ow. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So for today's episode, I'll be doing ghost stories because and Ponzi. <laughs> what <laughs> did you say? I was saying episode funny. Oh, oh, and Ponzi. Okay. I was like, huh? Okay. Yeah, this is going to be a ghost episode. It has been a while <laughs> since we've had one. So, that's what it's called. It has been a while, hasn't it? It has. I didn't realize it. I think May was the last time we did one. It's going to be May. All that I do. Y'all hear that thunder? It's enough for you. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, y'all. Ooh, we're going to get it together. This is going to be a quick one. <laughs> okay. Um, we're doing... I'm going to do Haunted Charleston. Yeah, so I've never been to Charleston, but I love it. Me neither. It's beautiful there. I've just seen pictures, though. You're beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, um, the first... It's only two because these places that I found have so much history oh yeah and so by the time i did two places it was like yeah i was like okay pretty that's decent all, that's all i need that's all i need that's it that's a ramp so the first place i'm gonna do is called the battery carriage house the battery carriage house located at 20 south battery street or avenue <laughs> i didn't put which one. Oh, there go my house shoe <laughs> okay <laughs> located at 20 south battery is not one you know is not only one of the most haunted establishments in charleston but also one of the city's most historic hotels june 7th 1843 samuel stevens purchased the land that would be the location of the inn stevens brought the prop nope come on Come on. (laughs) Come on. Stevens bought the property for $4,500, which would be $172,530 today. 
a sum that he could well afford. Yeah. Mm -hmm, as he had become wealthy from his position as a commercial agent for owners of plantations. You know, but anyway, <laughs> originally the home was built in the way of many other houses that can be found throughout Charleston with the city's trademark neoclassical style. One of the biggest differences is the structure was basically a single house. She's a brick house. house. She's my to my day. Just let me all hang out. <laughs> Come on, brick house. Brick house is sturdy. Mm -hmm. This brick house is sturdy too. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Um, around eighteen fifty nine. Just about 16 years after Stevens built his house, he sold the property in which the structure stood upon to John F. Blacklock. Blacklock went on to move his own house, located at 18 Bull Street, to his new land at 20 South Battery. So, like, he just literally moved the house. Hmm. The whole house. Which I feel like... It's a lot I of work. Yeah, and I feel like it'd be really hard to do back then. Like, how did they even... Yeah, because you know, they ain't got equipment like they got now. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, how did y'all... I don't know how they did it, but... By the grace of God. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of God power just mm -hmm. lifted it and moved it, because I don't know. I don't know how they did it. But anyway, the land would change owners several times over the next hundred years. In the 60s, Charleston slowly started regaining its once-respected reputation, shying away from the wild partying types... 20 South Battery went under underwent another renovation. This time around, it was converted into apartments for college kids. Because as we all know, college kids don't party. <laughs> wink, wink. Mm -hmm. like, okay. Yeah, they don't know. <clears throat> yes. So, the Battery would only serve as apartments over the next two decades. As by the 80s, it once again became a hotel. The hotel that you see today upon your arrival. Now known as the Battery Carriage House, the inn is owned by the second great-grandson of Andrew Simmons, who owned the house in 1874 and sold it in 1912 to Drayton Hastie. So that's kind of cool. It fell back into the hands of yeah. somebody who owned it mm -hmm. previously. So, despite the Battery Carriage's age and haunted reputation, you will be surprised upon entering this flawless throwback as it seems to be unravished by time. This is the result of the inn's beautiful restoration and management's work to properly preserve the structure. The hauntings at the inn actually date back in time to just after the Civil War. Today, there are said to be numerous spirits that roam about the battery carriage. Guests and employees have reportedly had run-ins with these spirits. The paranormal disturbance that occurs at the end are so profound that the happenings on the grounds have converted many skeptics who have stayed the night over the years. Mm -hmm. So it's changing people. The first of these haunted rooms, ironically, is room number three. One of the most infamous stories to take place in the room happened some time ago when a married couple had decided to spend the night at the inn. Tired from a long day, the couple went straight to bed. Unfortunately for them, a peaceful night's rest was not in the cards. Oh, no. No one going to sleep that night. <clears throat> The two were mm -hmm. so not not a good way. The two were suddenly woken up sometime after midnight 
by the husband's cell phone, but the cell phone wasn't ringing. It was making an odd, loud noise, and the husband had to shut it off before he went to bed. Oh, my. Yeah, like, what's that about? Okay. The couple also apparently witnessed an orb floating around the room on their first night, and again spotted the orb on their second night. The husband claimed that on the second night, there appeared to be even more glowing shapes orbit, orbit, almost like orbiting, <laughs> orbing around the room. After the couple's second night of restless sleep, they met with a psychic who was also a guest at the battery carriage. The couple asked her to check out the room, and upon her entry, she did indeed feel the presence of multiple spirits. At the couple's request, the psychic asked the spirits to leave the room. The following morning, the couple met up with the psychic and informed her that the spirits must have actually left the room, as for the first time in three nights, they were able to sleep soundly. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Three so, nights. Like, Thanks, boo. I think this after the rough. first night, I've been done gone. Yeah, I'm like, okay, well, this isn't obviously going to get any better, so <laughs> i got to go. <clears throat> so the honor of... Oh, okay. I was like, what? The honor of most ominous room in the battery carriage goes to room eight. This unusual ghost that has sent people running for their cars <laughs> is said to appear before guests sound. Okay, Lord, the punctuation. Like, I need more punctuation because obviously I'm just running on through it. This unusual ghost has sent people running for their cars is said to appear before guests sound asleep in the middle of the night. Inevitably, making some strange noise to wake those with heavy eyes up from their deep slumber. Mm. Mm-hmm. The guest wakes up to the sight of a floating headless torso. No, see, <laughs> why do you even gotta... Why? In 1993, a skeptic had booked room eight. When he told others of the room he planned to stay the night in, he was warned repeatedly to switch to a different room or book with another hotel altogether. But the skeptic just laughed at them and shook off their concerns. Dun, dun, dun. That night, he checked into the inn and went to his room for the night. Like most ghostly encounters at the battery carriage, the skeptic was awakened by a disturbance. He saw the headless torso. Surprisingly, he even decided, which like, okay, yeah, you like, go for it if you want to. Uh, he reached out to touch the lumbering spirit, only to pull back his hand upon hearing the animalistic growl the spirit let out. Uh-uh. <laughs> so he just reached out and was like, Arr. he's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, my fault, my fault. <laughs> Your best chance to see a ghost at the battery carriage room is in room 10. The gentleman ghost, a name given to the spirit by the inn staff, is known for graciously sharing his room with any and all guests. People who have seen the apparition of the gentleman ghost have described him as a grayish yellow. Nope. What? <laughs> what? As a grayish, a grayish shadow. I don't know where yellow came from. Like, it just... I just said yellow. Yellow's not even anywhere in this paragraph. Yellow? <laughs> I don't know what happened. He usually appears to be of average height and build and tends to glide around the room rather stylishly. Okay. He mm-hmm. cool. The ghost is quite fond of the bed and has been known to startle guests by laying peacefully on the bed. Not all of whom have stayed, in, stayed the night in room 10 have had experience with... Not all who have... Not all of whom who uh uh-uh, that don't make sense not all of whom who have stayed 
Not everyone who has stayed the night <laughs> in room 10 have had experiences with the gentleman ghost. Some have instead experienced rather strange occurrences in the room, such as feeling of a watchful eye of an unknown presence gazing over them as they unpack their suitcase. I'll tell you what, I'll be packing it back up. One woman was apparently so unnerved by her stay in the room, she spent the whole night reading the Bible. She said, uh, no, ma'am. Because you already know I would have done got my Bible. <laughs> like, let me just get this this Bible that the that the Gideons. <laughs> like, I would have got my Bible out and started reading it as I was leaving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, God, I gotta go. She eventually drifted off, awaking the following morning with her Bible still clutched in her hands. Shook. <laughs> Okay, so that was the Battery Carriage House. Our second and last one is the Dock Street Theater. Ooh. Yes, and I said, mm, I, I like it like that. She working that back. I don't know how to act. Slow motion for me. Show. Oh, I said show. Show motion for me. Show motion for me. Show motion for me. Oh. Oh. And the thunder roll. And the thunder roll. And lightning strike. <laughs> Garth Brooks, everybody. Oh. We don't own the rights. Okay. <laughs> so, little David, as I lovingly call him, my friend David. DB. Which he, Chelsea knows him too. He went to school with he went us. Went to school with him. He went to school with us. DB and the Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, so, one day, buddy. Yes, hi, honey. This is his theater that he works at. So we have an employee in the house. We got an employee listening. Hey, two, because his friend Allison listens as well, and she works with him. So hello, hey girl. Allison. Yes. So welcome to the cool club. <laughs> I can't. We do not sound cool. We <laughs> saying don't. that. Welcome to the Google. Cool <laughs> okay, y'all gotta bear with us. Some people probably gonna skip this episode. <laughs> they like, oh, they playing too much. Gotta go. Okay, so the Dock Street Theater is actually on Church Street in Charleston. It is also called the Planners Hotel, which was constructed in 1809 by Mr. and Mrs. Alexander Calder. Hmm. It is the last surviving antebellum, which means dating back to pre-Civil War, hotel. Mm -hmm. The hotel was a renovation of Chevrolet buildings. (laughs) (laughs) The hotel was a renovation of several buildings that were already on the site of the now theater. The construction of the original Dock Street is believed to have been commenced in the year of 1735 oh yeah that's a long time ago yeah like pre-america mm-hmm. pre-america i remember that day <laughs> did you <laughs> do you now i was a cat yeah uh okay <laughs> with the grand opening taking place on the 12th of february in the year of 1736 <gasps> the day before my birthday yes i mean obviously not yet but yeah <laughs> it was, its location was not <laughs> I ain't that old it's i'll lo- be dead i mean you just said you were so i don't know what do you believe everybody yeah its location was not far from the current address of the theater the first theater built on the property didn't last long. We aren't sure exactly what happened, but most believe that it burned down in the Charleston Fire of 1740. 
While the Dock Street burned down, it was replaced with another theater, which remained open for over 40 years when it was closed down in the 1780s. You see that right? Ooh! Oh, oh y'all, it's storming bad out here. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it was shut down. It was shut down in large part. It was shut down in large part due to the construction of a new and more grand theater just around the corner. Then around 30 years later, in 1809, Planner's Hotel was created by the Calders. The building would go through another round of renovations just a little over 25 years later in 1835. It was during this renovation the building received its enduring style, elements of which can now be seen at the Dock Street Theater standing today. After the work of 1835 had completed, the Planner's Hotel became known as one of the preeminent hotels in all of Charleston. During the glory days of the Planners Hotel, it was known to play host to theater groups. One of the actors of this, one of the actors of these theater troops, has a name that may sound a little familiar: Junius Brutus Booth, James Wilkes Booth's father. So, James Wilkes Booth, the mm-hmm. man who assassinated Abraham Lincoln's dad, he mm-hmm. was, which he was an actor too. So, like yeah. his dad and him were actors and. His dad was um, in the theater troupe that came and performed at this theater that hmm. David works at. It is said one night he got very angry and attacked the hotel's manager, almost killing him. Oh, wow. This is his dad. So, like, y'all, there's some there's some issues going on here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is generational um, violence, so we need to get that taken care of. I mean, they didn't, obviously. <laughs> I said they need to. Like, it's anything we could have done. Anyway. After the Civil War, the economy was terrible, and that took a hit to the hotel. Then there was an earthquake. Then there was an earthquake that hit Charleston in 1886. The repairs became too much for the family to take on, and it was left to ruin. Which interesting fact that I'm sure a lot of people knew, but I just didn't. Whenever the Civil War was going on, it was the North and the South. You know, mm-hmm. obviously the South broke off from the United States. Yeah, but. They had their own um, currency. Hmm. So, like, if you lived in the South, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I guess you still had the U.S. money, but they had their own money. So then people who had all this money with, you know, the South's currency, yeah. when everything went back to normal, uh, people lost a lot of money because they had that currency in the Confederacy. Yeah. And so, which that, y'all may remember, I think I talked about that, actually. I did. I talked did about you? it in the Myrtle's Plantation. Oh! Because somebody on that, that somebody, <laughs> somebody there went broke. I forgot. So anyway, the repairs became too much for the family to take on, and it was left to ruin. Then, in the 1930s, the works, at, the works Progress Administration began restoring the property, where it, began a, where it became a theater once again. The theater remained open until the year of 2007, when the building was forced to close temporarily for greatly needed renovations. After all, it had been 70 plus years since the WPA initiative revived the building. Ooh, it's hailing. There's there's stuff flying out there. <laughs> there you is. see the leaves and stuff flying? Yes. Sorry, it's crazy out here. No, you're fine. Oh, Uh, I was was talking to the audience. Sorry, (laughs) y'all. Okay, yeah. After all, it had been 70 plus years since the WPA initiative revived the building. 
three short years and 19 million dollars later wow yeah on march 18th 2010 the dock street the dock street theater held its grand reopening to the delight of all charlestonians Today, the historic theater continues to serve as a cultural touchstone for the city, as it hosts a full season of performances produced by the Charleston Stage Company, which I'm pretty sure is a little David's company. Yeah. And I'm sorry if it's not David. <laughs> In addition to the amazing plays put on at Dock Street and the amazing costumes designed by David Dum. and Allison, you can catch some of your favorite musical acts at the theater year-round. Guests of the theater have claimed to see spirits roaming about, sightings of ghostly shadows in the rafters, and apparitions on stage. One of these two specters is believed to be Junius Brutus Booth. No one is quite sure why his ghost is haunting the Dock Street Theater, formerly Planner's Hotel, as he was not even in Charleston at the time of his passing. He was hundreds of miles away in Louisville, Kentucky. Huh. Had no clue. Didn't know that. And aside from performing at the former hotel with his troop theater troupe and the rumor that he tried to kill the manager of the Planners Hotel, he really doesn't have any strong ties to the building. Hmm. Nothing to warrant his haunting of the building anyway. Yeah. The most frequently spotted ghost at the Dock Street Theater is Nettie. Some claim that her full name is Nettie Dickerson, while others believe she was nameless and the name Nettie came from the locals. Nettie lived in Charleston in the 1800s and you could usually find her at Planner's Hotel. She was not a guest or a part of the staff, though. She was a sex worker. Hmm. Nettie's reasons for coming to Charleston was to find love and excitement, but unfortunately for Nettie, she lived in an era when 25 was considered well past the marrying age. Thank God it's not now. Yeah. Because I'm a spinster. I mean, I'm technically, I'm just a spinster. That's what it is. I'm expired, I guess. <laughs> Stop it. Been expired. Been expired. The day I was born. I'm done. The wealthy men of Charleston <laughs> were looking for brides who were still in their teens. They were not interested in marrying someone considered to be a spinster. Aside from Nettie's age, her social status was also a factor. Back in the day, it was very uncommon for people to marry beneath their class. This was especially so in Charleston. A stigma that can actually continues in some social circles in the city today. Ooh. Hmm. They just calling them right on out. Yeah. I forgot that that was in there. While many of the men of Charleston were taken with Nettie's beauty, they were only interested in lust, not love. Bless her. Her dreams of a better life, dreams of happiness and love, now crushed. Betty began looking for work. Nettie became... Did I say Betty? Yeah. <gasps> Lord. Nettie became... Began looking for work. Nettie became a clerk at St. Philip's Episcopal Church. She took the job well and got along with the priest. But she felt as she did not belong. It was impossible for her to compete. And she knew she would never truly be accepted into Charleston's high society. She eventually quit her job and went back to sex work. She went and bought an expensive red dress from a local store and headed to Planners. She would still go to church on Sundays, and when men and women would look down on her, many of the men being her customers, she Ooh. Hmm. she would confront both of them. So she's like, oh, you, you going to look down on me? Get em, what, what about last week? What about last week? <laughs> Ooh. Get them. She lost many customers due to this, obviously, <laughs> and became broke. 
One night during a storm, she went out on to her balcony and yelled at the people in the town for treating her this way. The priest who still cared for Nettie rushed out to try and reason with her. She told him, you can't save me. Then she was struck by lightning and died. Oh, wow. Yeah, which, ooh, because it's storming here. Mm-hmm. The, Isn't that ironic? <laughs> yeah. Isn't it ironic? We don't own the rights. Um, <laughs> the ghost of Nettie can be seen gliding aimlessly throughout the theater in a red tattered dress. When sightings do occur, she appears to be cut off at the knee. Ooh. I know. Most people explain it away, citing renovations that were done in 1936 when the second floor was raised 12 inches. Wow. Nettie, unaware of the structural change, appears to still be walking on the original flooring. Oh, okay. I see where the, that came from then. Mm-hmm. My friend David, who is a listener of the podcast, works at this theater, which I've already told y'all that because I got excited. Like 20 times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was told about a spirit. Um, so when he started working there, he was told about a spirit that would put their arm around you or you could feel their presence behind you when no one was there. I think this is the ghost of Nettie. He also mentioned an elevator that they use that will go up to a floor as if someone pressed a button for that floor in the elevator and when the doors open no one is there Ooh. as the thunder <laughs> as the thunder starts up again so it was you know this was a little short one it was good but i mean it was two stories and it, it took was interesting up. too yeah so those are two stories from charleston so i mean there's a lot more yeah that you know can be done and mm-hmm. i may continue this continue yeah maybe david will have his own personal story Oh, yeah. Sorry, I don't want to put that on you, David. (laughs) So, yeah, that is it. Hmm. Do you have any questions? No, that's you. Is it me? I couldn't remember. Okay, so if you have any, um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, stories that you want to tell of your own, email us at amillionmurders at gmail.com. And you can also go to our Instagram, um, A Million Murders, and check out the pictures of the cases that we cover. Um, You can also check out our Facebook page if you want to start a conversation. We Mm -hmm. would love to conversate with you on there. Yes, converse. So, yeah. Yes, so... We hope you all have a wonderful week. And a wonderful fourth. Yeah. Which by now be this, nice. Yeah. Sunny all day. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, rain today, tomorrow, and s- tomorrow. <laughs> and then sunny on Monday. Well, that's good. Which by now, it'll probably be like two weeks after fourth. I don't yeah. know. But anywho. All right. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. And we hope you come back for... A million more. Bye.